0: Good evening. This is Robert Fisher. I'm the host of Monergy Life. I have the special pleasure of joining uh, us tonight with Jillian uh, Tuckman, a leading functional medicine nutritionist, second-level Reiki healer, and a medical cannabis educator. I know that's a lot to process to all of you listening, but hopefully Jillian will be able to deconstruct some of this And We're going to try and focus in the next half hour on the use of diet to combat autoimmune disorders, as well as some of the latest developments in medical cannabis. Both of those subjects are totally fascinating to me, and while we're waiting for Jillian to call in, which should be any moment, let me give you a little bit about her background. She received her bachelor's degree in English from Columbia University, and then a Master's of Science in Nutrition from NYU. And she's also uh, has a private practice in New York City, and served as Director of Nutrition and Wellness for Care of, hold on, that's Jillian calling in now. Jillian, is that you?
1: Yes, it is. Hi, how are you?
0: I'm doing great. Welcome to Monergy Life. Thanks for joining the show tonight as our special guest. Uh, Thank I you was for just having introduce- me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I was just uh, introducing you to our listeners. And uh, we have uh, an ambitious amount to cover in the 30 minutes of the show. And I think as you and I um, discussed in our emails, we're going to try and limit the talk to the use of diet to combat autoimmune disorders as well as some of the latest developments in medical cannabis. And I know that a half hour cannot do justice to both those topics, but we're going to try and, and, and bring forth some of the highlights. So welcome aboard. And I'm, I'm really fascinated in reading your bio. You talked about how you used diet to overcome some of your own personal health issues. Could you share some of that with the audience, please?
1: Yeah, sure, absolutely. And I think that that context is actually really important for what I do and, and what I teach as well and how I help heal people. So when I was 8 years old, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, which is an autoimmune disease. And I vividly remember my mother asking the gastroenterologist, should we change her diet, and him saying, definitely not. And that was the last we kind of ever heard of it. Um, I grew up very much in a, in, a very, in a very educated family and very loving and supporting family, but very much part of the cultural paradigm of do as doctors say, right? And don't, and don't really look for a different answer. So I took, I took the medication that was scripted to me and never really thought differently of it. And when I was, after I graduated from college, I started experiencing some very strange symptoms. Um, I was getting debilitating fatigue, night sweats, tremors, Things that were not making sense at any age, but certainly not for someone who was in her early early 20s. And I was going to various different doctors. I was going to various different doctors, um, and they were spending five or 10 minutes with me and saying, "Oh, we don't know, or you have lupus, or MS, or maybe you're crazy," and all these different things, which is an incredibly harrowing. Time, right? You, kn- I, I knew what I was experiencing was real, and yet I was being told that either they didn't know, it was this catastrophic event or it was in my head and I was creating it and it wasn't actually real. And during that time, I started really looking to other ways of thinking about things. I started going to um, a place called Kripalu, which is a yoga retreat up in the Berkshires, and started studying Ayurveda, which is the Indian healing system. I started studying Reiki, which is the Japanese energy medicine, and all these different modalities that I had never even been made aware of. So this entire world kind of opened up to me, and I would read a book and that book's bibliography would lead to 15 others, and this entire new way of thinking really presented itself. And around the same time, my, uh, my mom heard a doctor speak on the radio, actually, an MD who had a more, a more holistic approach, and she's like, you know what, I think you should try going. And this was back in like 2006 or 2007, before, you know, wellness or, or health was really, was really, for lack of a better word, trendy, right? The way that it is now. So I went, and what I now know is he was practicing functional medicine. And functional medicine looks at the body as a whole, and it applies, you know, the diagnostic and scientific tools of Western medicine, but really pulls from Eastern philosophy to look for root causes of disease. And he basically said, you know, you have, you've had undiagnosed chronic Lyme disease for maybe 20 plus years. You also have celiac disease. And for someone who's had ulcerative colitis for any length of time, but certainly for as long as you have, you know, you're really not eating correctly. And that was the first time I had really ever been made aware or even asked to think that food could affect how you feel. And no one in the years that I had been searching for answers had ever asked me what I was eating. And so the dietitian in his practice put me on what's called the specific carbohydrate diet. And it's basically how I explain it. It's like paleo before paleo was a thing. And it removes all starches, grains, sugars, various types of carbohydrates that this this biologist, this woman named Elaine Gottschall in the 70s, had really identified as a cause of a lot of GI intestinal distress and really noticed that it was very healing for people who had Crohn's disease and colitis, and actually, interestingly, autism. And so I was oh. stringently on this diet, Yeah, and I was taking a very strict uh, regimen of supplements, and I had a very long healing journey ahead of me because I had been quite sick for quite a long time, but within the first three or four weeks, I started feeling dramatically better. I went from not being able to really participate in life to all of a sudden having color back in my face and really waking up and feeling, wow, like I don't feel absolutely awful. And things slowly progressed and, you know, peeling the onion in more layers and really diving into it. And it really got me thinking, um, how is it possible that I grew up, again, in this educated home, I was myself educated, and no one was talking about it. My only experience of the relationship between food and a body was Was is this going to make me fat, right, for a superficial vanity reason? Not how is is it going to make me feel, and what can this do, and how can this actually heal me? And so I was like, you know what, maybe this is actually, I'm really interested in this, maybe this is what I was supposed to be doing. Maybe I want to go back to school. And I looked at all these different programs, and there's a place called the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, which is a coaching certificate, and what they were teaching was very much more in line with my interests, but I always knew that I wanted to practice more holistically, and I wanted to really practice a hybrid because um, I studied, again, as um, you know, Reiki, Ayurveda, Iridology, which is reading the iris, um, applied kinesiology, all these different modalities, and I never wanted my credibility to be questioned. So I was like, you know what? I am just going to suck it up and go back to grad school for four years. So with a Bachelor's of Arts in English, I ended up getting a Master's Degree in Science and Nutrition and became a registered dietitian.
0: Wow. That's quite a journey. So uh, Quite a
1: journey. And that's the very abridged version.
0: <laughs> right, right. And in the process... Um, so let me ask you something. Going back to what you first said about when you first discovered the link between changing your diet and the way you began to feel better, why do you think so many people were oblivious to that connection?
1: I think there are a lot of reasons. I think that the... The model of Western medicine is very wrong and very backwards. Um, When it comes to diagnostic abilities, when it comes to treating emergencies or trauma, I think we're the best as it can get, right? If I, God forbid, got into a car accident, I want to go to the best trauma surgeon. I don't want to go to my acupuncturist. However, when it comes to treatment of chronic disease, it's really backwards, right? Our model has specialties, right? We see our gastroenterologist when we have digestive distress, our dermatologist when we have a rash, our joint hurts we go to rheumatologist, right? But no one is stepping back and acknowledging in practice this essential objective fact that our body works as one system, not individual organ systems, right? So that's one thing. The other thing is, and unfortunate, you know, pharma, unfortunately, really kind of rules a lot of this. Who's going to fund the study that objectively shows that removing certain dietary triggers could be corrective to a disease, right? The people who fund studies are usually pharmaceutical companies, that's where the money is coming from. But what's actually really interesting and why things have actually really started to change is that I'm not sure if you or your listeners are familiar with the term the microbiome. I'm not. Okay. The microbiome is a term that refers to the collective group of organisms that reside in our bodies So, and mostly in our colon, our large intestine. And we used to think they, they were just bacteria, beneficial bacteria. We now know that there's fungi and various beneficial uh, viruses as well. And that actually keeps us healthy. Over 70% of our immune system actually resides in our gut. And there's been an increased scientific interest in academia, and of course that's also seeped into public discourse as wellness continues to get more and more popular and trendy, um, to really study and really understand this microbiome. There's there's a fascinating book called uh, called 10% Human, which is by a scientist and basically explaining that we're actually mostly bacteria and viruses and fungi. Most of them are beneficial. And the standard American diet (laughs) the acronym used to describe that is as SAD, SAD, Standard American Diet, is, is high in refined um, carbohydrates, sugars, starches, things that are fuel for pathogenic bacteria. So when you have people who are eating a diet high in these refined carbohydrates, they're going to create an inflammatory condition that is basically giving fuel and feeding this pathogenic bacteria, and that's going to grow and, and take over and cause a whole bunch of problems. So I, we, we hadn't had that research before. I actually had a conversation earlier today with someone that was saying 10 years ago, you know, certainly 20 years ago, but even 10 years ago, you went to a gastroenterologist, someone who treats digestive disease and you would bring up diet and they would, you know, shrug it off. If you went to them now, even the most um, conventional Western trained, even if they don't, they don't they themselves don't know enough about it to educate you. They will all acknowledge that it's actually very much true and it's real because the objective data that we now have on this microbiome makes it impossible to refute that fact because with through diet, we actually know that we can manipulate the balance of the bacteria of the microbiome, but before <clears throat> that, there was no science to actually show that to show that
0: yeah, and I bet that in this process of. Uh, your own healing and your own education and practice of nutrition, your idea about what causes so-called disease has dramatically shifted. I'm sure of that, but I want to interject. Well, I want to ask you a question. Do you think based on what you've experienced and what you've studied that most so-called diseases results from some type of inflammation to some, t- some part of your body. And that inflammation could be a physical inflammation caused by food, or looking at it holistically, it could also be an inflammation call, caused by your environment and emotional factors that distress you. It's probably, from, from what I know and what I've experienced, I think it's a combination of those two things. What do you think?
1: Um, I love the question, and I think that you're absolutely accurate. When it comes to modern chronic disease, especially autoimmunity, the genesis of all those diseases is inflammation. And the environment that we're creating in our body that predisposes us to that inflammation can be resultant from dietary triggers, the air we're breathing, the thoughts that we're having, because thoughts create emotions, we emotionally react and we create stress, which is an inflammatory environment, right? our genetics, which we actually have a lot more control over than we think, you know, because genetics can actually also be informed and influenced by our environment. There are certainly emotions. There are a wide variety of things that can perpetuate the inflammatory condition, which yes, is the genesis of all modern disease.
0: Yeah, and if that's the case, then taking it another step further, which I'm sure you've already taken it, but for our listeners, it might be new, that the ideal diet might result in an might be might be construed should be construed as an anti-inflammatory diet. Is that fair to say?
1: Absolutely.
0: And what would be some of the components of? an anti-inflammatory diet that our listeners could adopt today right now. What would you suggest?
1: Sure. Well, some of the most inflammatory foods out there, number one is sugar and sugar in all of its form. And that's a tricky one, right? Because a lot of people don't have my education. Maybe have never worked in food or been involved in health whatsoever Sugar can be called a whole bunch of different things on a package, right? So it's not just necessarily sugar, it's cane syrup, it's maltodextrin, it's dextrose, it's any kind of syrup, brown rice, all sugar, right? Because sugar grows off our blood sugar. When our blood sugar rises, which is what's supposed to happen after we eat something, our body needs, it secretes insulin to get the sugar out of the blood and into the cells so it could be used for energy and therefore lowering that blood, that blood sugar back to homeostasis. The problem is that with too much insulin, it's inflammatory, and it also tells our body to store fat. So the reason that sugar and refined carbohydrates are inflammatory and some of the most inflammatory things you can eat is what it does to your blood sugar and what the blood sugar control necessitates out of your hormones, the most important in that, in that situation being insulin. So removing sugar is the number one thing that you can do for inflammation, for overall health. Gluten is another one. You know, it's very much a hot topic in the sense of, oh, you know, some people say that you should only remove gluten if you have celiac. And yes, celiac disease is an autoimmune disease that's triggered by gluten, by the protein in wheat, barley and rye, called gluten. sure that that's true. But if there's anyone, if anyone is coming to me to see me Um, and they have an autoimmune disease or they're struggling with any kind of systemic inflammation, I also really encourage them to get gluten out of it. Of course, alcohol, which shouldn't surprise anyone. And it's also really important to remember that even if you're eating this quote unquote perfect diet, but you're constantly in a very stressed situation or you have really toxic negative thoughts or you haven't really figured out how to process through any kind of trauma that you might have experienced, whether in your childhood or in your adult life, you're not going to be as he- you're never going to get to, to the healthiest place that's possible. Because even if you're having, again, that perfect diet, if you're not addressing your energetic and emotional health and well being, that inflammation certainly will lower, but will not lower to the extent that you will want it to be.
0: Right. So it, it seems to me that, that the way we're moving in terms of understanding our search for perfect health, for ideal health, ultimate health, is to really be aware of all these different factors, diet, environment, stress factors, emotional health. And all of these can have their effect on our physical health. So it's really important for all our listeners to start to become aware of these things. And, you know, listening to all the things that one shouldn't eat, I would say that when I I hear what you say, I think – That everybody has a different, everybody's in a different place in terms of what they were exposed to and how much of the, how much of this turbulence caused by sugar, for instance, fluctuations in blood sugar that people could take. I mean, for some people, and I'll speak for myself. I don't have a problem eating pasta, for instance, carbohydrates, and it doesn't really affect me in a negative way. I don't know why. It actually calms me and makes me feel good. I don't overdo it, but, you know, for me, my body is telling me that it's okay. So, right? So I think that everybody is in a different place in terms of their body, what their body can tolerate. Now, alcohol is another issue that everyone tolerates in a different way. For some people, they're prone to abusive alcohol. For others, you know, having a glass of wine once in a while with dinner might be a nice addition to the meal and might not have any negative effects. Would you agree with that?
1: Um, I think I would agree with that to some extent. Uh, first of all, I want to just correct something, and you had said, you know, you do okay with carbs and with pasta. A lot of people – mistakenly say, oh, I don't want to eat carbs. And what they mean is starches, right? If we didn't have any carbohydrates, we wouldn't survive. Vegetables are carbohydrates, right? Fruit is carbohydrates. So I think right. what you meant to say was, was, was starches. So I just want to make sure any listener yes. um, was confused. I just wanted to make sure that, clarify that, that yes, point. Yeah, thank you. Thank um, you. Thank you. I, I, think, right. I think that you're absolutely right. And I very much fundamentally believe every single body is different and every single body is different at different points of time. That being right. said, those types of foods that I mentioned are inflammatory to everyone and everybody at any time. However, yes. that doesn't mean that it can cause a catastrophic event or perpetuate an autoimmune disease. If right. there's someone exactly. who, you know, if you think about it like an analogy of a bathtub is, is half full, and if you keep filling it with things and with stressors, at some point it's going to overflow but we don't necessarily know someone who is able to tolerate alcohol or sugar or any of these things without getting an autoimmune disease might very well not have additional stressors that would then put it over the top.
0: Right. Right. I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, But in general, I think it's really important for the people listening to understand that certain foods like, uh, like you mentioned, and alcohol could end up being inflammatory to the, the systems of the body, and it's good to be aware of that. Um, it doesn't
1: yes, mean absolutely that every I, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I also, ahead. I do want to note, yeah, and I, I do want to note that like food is also a something that gives tremendous joy and tremendous pleasure and connects us with with people, with our family, with our friends, with memories, with travel, right? And if we are so stringently Watching what we're eating because we're concerned, but then that makes us feel isolated, and we're not actually able to participate in the joy of life. You know, if you're not able to have a piece of birthday cake, you know, for your birthday or so, but your child or your parents, you know, that's not particularly healing either. You know, we don't that's just right. eat to nourish our body. Like, and as cheesy as it sounds, we re- we eat to nourish ourselves on a soulful level too, and a social and spiritual. And you have to you have to really. Take a look at what your habits are, what your goals are, and give yourself an, and show yourself a lot of self compassion too. There's no such thing as a perfect diet. I can learn to understand you much better. If I right.
0: something. No, you're absolutely right. Um, I think it's really important to keep those factors in mind. Hello.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, no, you know, I can't believe the time is flying. Um, let's try and talk a a few minutes about your work with uh, medicinal cannabis because I'm fascinated by that too. And I'm sure the listeners are as well. Um, Show me how you first became aware of that using cannabis for healing and, and perhaps even as a dietary supplement. Is that fair to say?
1: Um, I don't know that I would go that as far to say that, but certainly in herbal medicine, plant medicine.
0: Okay. Um,
1: You know, it's really interesting. What people, a lot of people don't realize is that herbal medicine was actually our original medicine, right? We didn't actually really shift to mostly pharmaceuticals until after World War II, which was pretty recently. Um, And then of course with the subsequent political and financial collision of pharmaceutical companies, you know, we've kind of erased from our history that our original medicine was herbal. And so plants are incredibly uh, powerful. I always give an example Everyone's heard of the medication uh, Valium. Not everyone has heard of the plant and the herb Valerian root. And Valerian root is a very sedating and calming herb. And Valium was actually named after Valerian root. So just to to get people to really step back and really understand that most pharmaceutical companies actually model their prescriptions after healing properties of plants, interestingly enough. And so cannabis, and for those who are not aware of its Latin name, when we're talking about cannabis, we're talking about marijuana. And marijuana is actually one of the most healing plants out there. And it's as close, I always say, as close to medicinal magic as we've got. It is one of the most concentrated sources of antioxidants, of anti-inflammatory agents, of antiviral agents, and of course, anti-seizures, which a lot of us are aware of because, we you know, we've certainly all read that it has been approved for a lot of children who are suffering um, from epilepsy and having epileptic seizures. So my interest in it, you know, I'm not exactly sh- I don't know that I can actually really pinpoint a time. Um, physically, I have never really responded particularly well to alcohol, and my, I've always felt really good um, with cannabis. And so it also got me, you know, with my health history, really starting to wonder and really get curious more and more about the medicinal properties of it. And what I've learned and what yes. I am very passionate about sharing and also I do educate conventionally trained doctors, nurses, clinical staff on it as well, is that it can help pretty much most things. And when it comes to, I know we had talked about autoimmune disease and inflammation, it is one of the best things to be integrated and to be used as a complementary um, treatment for anyone who's struggling with any type of, of autoimmune disease. Now, of course, it's a very—I mean—we only have a few more minutes to talk about it. It's quite—it's quite a broad topic, so I'm not sure that we're going to be—we're ha- going to have that long um, to speak about it. But if you look at something, right, the opio opioids, right? What well, people don't—some people who don't work in in health or the medical field might not realize—is that the reason that opioids work is because in our bodies, every human body, we have opioid receptors. So we have physiologic systems that latch on to those exogenous drugs so that they work? Well, in the 90s, an Israeli researcher discovered something called the endocannabinoid system. And in each and every one of our bodies, we have cannabinoid receptors. And cannabinoids are the, are the name of a class of certain phytochemicals that are specific only to the cannabis plant. Okay, so the reason that works and is so potently healing and medical is because our bodies, each of us, have receptors waiting to receive it, basically.
0: Hmm. Wow. Yes,
1: yeah, it's that's pretty amazing. Pretty, actually.
0: it is pretty amazing. And let me ask you something: In what form do you, have you found that that the cannabis plant is most healing and helpful to people? You know, um, it's
1: not really, it's not really a one or the other or one size fits all. Um, to tell your listeners, there are, you know. T- the mode of delivery really is diff- is, affects a lot of things. And there are certain conditions that it's better to bake or it's better to take a tincture or it's better to actually smoke the flower or it's better to use topically. It really depends and it's really individualized. And working with someone who really understands medical cannabis is really important. You know, what also people don't realize, um, because unfortunately not enough conventional, conventionally trained doctors are are well-versed in this or have been educated enough on this is that we have more medical cannabis is legal in more states than it's illegal in. And a lot of people are seeing doctors with conditions that qualify for a medical cannabis card. So I would encourage everyone to look into the qualifying conditions for their specific state because more often than not, they're going to realize that actually, oh geez, I do qualify for a medical cannabis card. And that's really important. And again, not to knock on pharmaceuticals. I always want to make sure that I'm being clear in the sense that I do have my problems with Western medicine. I'm not, it's, it's definitely a very broken system. And I also recognize that I am incredibly grateful for it. I, I'm thrilled that we, have an, that, there, that we have scientific and diagnostic advances to make people uh, to catch diseases in an early stage and to really treat emergency situations. Um, But pharmaceuticals are not necessarily always the option. A lot of times they come with a lot of different side effects. And so knowing that there is a legal herbal option that is increasingly being shown to be as potent and healing as the pharmaceutical versions is pretty incredible. There was a massive study that just came out a few weeks ago out of Israel showing that it's confirmed that a lot of us already knew, but it was a huge and really well-done study showing that cannabis and certain parts of cannabinoids of that plant can be used in place of opioids for chronic pain, and it can actually be, be used to get a lot of opioid addicts off of opioids, which is wow. huge for a lot of reasons, right? C- cannabis is not addictive in that way, number one. Number two, we have a huge opioid crisis in this, in, in this problem, in this problem, in this country. Right. Um, right. So, no, so, knowing that there that we also now have the scientific data to back up that there are natural, available healing options that can be as effective as a more potent and much more addictive substance is really exciting.
0: Let me ask you something. Do you do uh, consultations for individuals too, or you just work with mostly companies?
1: I do. Yeah, I have a private practice, and I have patients. I see patients in case in New York, and I see patients here. And I also um, have patients all over the country. So I do virtual as well. And,
0: and what is the best way for our for, for our listeners to get in touch with you if they're interested?
1: Sure. So um, my website is www.workyourgenes, um, genes spelled G-E-N-E-S dot com. Um, Again, my name is Jillian Tuchman. You can find me on Instagram at Jillian Tuchman, T-U-C-H-M-A-N, and shoot me a message, and I will get back to you right away.
0: That sounds great. Well, you know, this is a fascinating topic, and, you know, there are so many diets out there that people... And I think, you know, you touched on this earlier, that for a lot of people, they choose a diet just to lose weight, right? In our country, that's so weight-conscious, where there's such a huge Mm -hmm. problem with overweight people. Um, How does the ideal diet affect that aspect of people's health?
1: I think that's a really great question. And to your point that everyone is at a different place, that I totally totally agree with you on that. When you're choosing real whole foods that have been, that that resemble as close to their actual state as as possible, right? You know, so it's not soy milk, right? Because there's no soy milk plant out there. There are soybeans. So if you're eating an mommy, I'm much more happy with you eating a whole food like that rather than something that's been incredibly processed. If you're sticking to a diet of real whole foods, you're going to lose weight.
0: Great. Well, Julian, we could probably talk for hours on this subject, and I'm sure it's a um, it's a subject that's interested interesting to our listeners as well. I want to thank you so much for appearing on Monergy Life. This is Robert Fisher, so and for thank you to me. all of us. It's been a pleasure, and uh, everyone have a great evening and healthy eating to us all. And and, mm-hmm. and I hope that this uh, show has brought at least, you know, the glimmer of what can lead one to optimal health, because I think that's what we're all interested in. Thank you again for appearing on Monarchy Live, Jill.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Good night.